You must have a mentor, Luke. Someone who will guide your life's path. The right mentor can make all the difference in the world. Your future depends on it, Luke. Choose wisely. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome back to Signs of the Times Radio, Mark Hadley, uh, film critic, cultural commentator and all-round good guy. How are you doing, Mark? <laughs> Hi, Kent. Thanks very much for having me back on. <laughs> That's good. Now, Mark, in the... Your article in the December edition of Signs of the Times magazine, you've gone in a direction which is both near to my heart and not really, and that is Star Wars. And I say near to my heart because I am keen on science fiction, but I have to admit I'm more of a Star Trek guy than a Star Wars guy. What What is it about? Oh, do you know you know what that tells you? It tells us about you, Kent. T- tell me. Uh, it, it tells you you actually have quite a hope for the future. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> That's that, that. That's a good good thing to know. Good thing to know. So, what what is it about the Star Wars franchise that just has this appeal? Like ever since that first movie came out in nineteen seventy seven. Well, the thing about Star Wars is that George Lucas, when he was writing the plot, wasn't going to take any risks. I mean, he'd been trying to tell this story in a particular way for a long time and hadn't worked out how best to make it click with people. So he started doing some writing classes and attended some writing under uh, a fellow called Joseph Campbell Uh at Columbia University. Now, Joseph Campbell is this sort of legendary figure in story writing and, and study because he was a fellow who wrote a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. Yeah. And what Joseph Campbell did was to map out how the most popular stories in all of history seem to follow a particular journey, an arc, if you like, mm-hmm. which the hero goes through various stages and that we find that almost naturally, doesn't matter what culture or what language, we find that naturally appealing. Okay. And so what George Lucas okay. did is he said, how am I going to take this arc and just map it onto my script for Star Wars? And lo and behold, that's how we actually got the whole journey that starts with Luke Skywalker on Tatooine heading off to the Death Star. And yes, yeah, so which is exactly why it's so successful. Okay, so for, for those of us who aren't sort of... Oh, you know, haven't been initiated into the intricacies of the Star Wars universe. Can you give us a um, just a thumbnail sketch of what's going on? Because it's been really confusing. I mean, for starters, the very first episode was episode four, and <laughs> you know, and 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 then this new movie okay. that that came out this year is actually a prequel even to the first movie. Ah, oh, it's so confusing. So so just just help us yeah, un- you're un- understand. Yeah, about three and a half with the solo film. That's right. Uh, okay. Look. I, I would have thought, though, as a Star Trek fan, Kent, that mm-hmm. you would realise it's okay to jump back and forward in time, but you know, <laughs> okay, I'll, okay. I'll do my best here. <laughs> For those people who aren't familiar, basically we're looking at a galaxy far, far away where a particular battle is going on between good and evil, and this good and evil has a representative, and that's, in, in the case of the fourth or first film, however you want to see it, is Luke Skywalker. So he is a young Jedi, a young knight, if you like, heading off on a quest 
first he thinks to try and save a particular princess, but actually ultimately to save the universe from the dark side of the force. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I say a little earlier that this is an arc that's been taken from from mythology for thousands of years, I'm not kidding. This is the same journey that Jason of the Argonauts went off on when he was looking for the golden fleece that would somehow save you know, his nation. And it's the same journey in one respect that Menelaus goes off when he is trying to uh, win back Helen of Troy. And it's the same journey that you know, all sorts of characters through history and mythology have gone on where a, a person starts off on a quest with an idea that there is a problem that they become personally responsible for that problem and that they grow through the process of solving that problem till they come back one day to normal life but changed forever. Mm. And I guess with Star Wars, you see this as, as they go through blowing up the Death Star, fighting Darth Vader, battling across the ice planet of Hoth and on and on and on. And it doesn't really matter that we've even come back the beginning of the circle again with The Force Awakens and Rey growing up on a desert planet, realizing she's trying to find something else about her life, but no, she's actually there to save the universe, and on and on we go. And, uh, and, 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 and it works you know, for another lap, the story yeah. we love. Mm, okay. Yeah. So I, I actually do remember reading, or at least flipping through and reading some bits of Joseph Campbell's, you know, Hero of a Thousand Faces while I was in university. I found it quite fascinating because people just keep quoting it and keep mentioning it. So I thought, I got to check this out. And yeah, and I remember seeing that story arc of, you know, the hero who's often separated from his family and everything that's safe and familiar and sort of launched into this quest. And there is often some sort of. I don't know, some sort of figure there who, who's there to guide that person and to give them some, some advice as they enter, you know, the underworld or, or the dangerous sort of region where all this is going to happen. And I guess the, it's probably the, the Hobbit or something like that that really encapsulates that idea for, for me the best. You know, you've, you've got this sort of safe uh, region where the Shire, you know, where, where all, all the Hobbits live and, and, and then they go on this quest and they have, you know, Gandalf, the wizard is there to guide them through that. So it's very much much this sort of Joseph Campbell pattern. Yeah, well, what, why do you think it is that this sort of story pattern appeals to us? What, what is it about it that resonates with us so deeply? Well, it, let, me, let me answer that in two ways. The first one is going to sound really quite straightforward and simple, hmm. and the second one is going to need a little bit of unpacking. Sure. Uh, the, the first reason I think we love this story this way is because it's just no accident. Mm-hmm. I think we've been programmed I literally believe that my study of, of script writing, I've been a script writer for 30 years now, yeah. and my study of script writing has taken me all over the world to different cultures. I've written in different cultures and different times to different producers, different language groups. And this arc holds true simply because we're human. Mm. There's something about us that appeals the idea that we are going to be finding ourselves in a great good and bad battle and that we're going to have to play not just a personal role in it, but we're going to step up at some point, we're going to come across the need for a savior and someone to step in and save us and the universe with us. Mm. And I believe that's the case because I think God has actually designed 
us to recognize his hand at work. So even when we reject him, we still keep telling this story over and over again that we have to step up to deal with a much bigger problem than just our personal problem, that something has to happen to save us. We're going to go through lots of trials to get there, but in the end, we are going to find ourselves changed forever. Mm. And so first, like I said, it's simple. At one level, we've been designed. At another level, it's because I think that even though humanity might be closing its eyes as tightly as it can to God, the truth is if everything, including the stories we tell, you know, have fractures of, of God's presence in them, there's just no way to get away from that truth. And so, yeah, we, even we start telling kids stories which unwittingly are preparing their minds for what God's got to say. Wow, okay. That is is a really fascinating <laughs> parallel to, to draw. I mean, I, I know different people have seen, you know, different things in the in the Star Wars franchise, for example. You know, I've heard people say, hey, you know, Star Wars includes a lot of Buddhist themes. It, mm. other, other people might say it includes a lot of occult themes. You know, there's a lot of people dying and then coming back from the dead to, you know, to bring messages. And then I guess you, you could even say, well, it's really about Western individualism. You know, we, we don't like to believe we're part of just this amorphous mass of humanity, but no, we are incredibly significant. We have something incredibly important to offer the universe and so we identify strongly with you know luke skywalker or or ray or whoever the hero or or heroine is of of the story Mm. look i think you're right ken and if i um if i misled you it's definitely not a perfect reflection of what's going on in the world you know if you want the real story 100 percent no alter you know alterations go to the bible and you'll see what the story of humanity Mm -hmm. is but interestingly i think you can look at creative culture like a broken mirror if you take you know a mirror and you shatter it into a thousand pieces it's still going to reflect little bits of the truth back at you Mm -hmm. it's just going to be a messed up picture sometimes so yeah star wars has strong hindu links in it in terms of the idea of the force is literally just almost lifted straight out of hinduism and it has other elements that you've named too particularly now as we move into the later episodes as disney's taken over the franchise Mm. we're moving very much into the interchangeability of the sexes it doesn't matter if you're a male or female there's no real difference between us all and this is just very modern you know western civilization and these bits they're not reflecting, as I would say, you know, the, the bigger, truer picture. But inside of them, we just can't help it. Every now and again, the idea that, that someone has to come and save us, mm-hmm. that, that there is good and evil, yeah. uh, that there's not just a multitude of, of, of options. There's a dark side and there's a light side, and you're going to face one way or the other. These are things we just don't seem to be able to get away from. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. You know, because as a Christian, it allows me to say, hey, you know why you're so attracted to this idea? You know, there's a, there's a, there is a bit of secret knowledge out there, and it happens to be that you've been, you know, you've got the ability to actually sort of know something about yourself just by why you respond so strongly. Mm. Hey, can I pick up on something you said earlier? Because sure. it just fascinated me. Sure. Uh, I said a little bit about this in my article. You picked up the idea of, of someone coming along and, you know, it's, it's in um, Joseph Campbell's, you know, hero's myth that someone comes along and helps the hero yeah. and gives them a kind of an insight. That's actually one of the most powerful parts of the quote-unquote hero's journey. It's actually got a name. It's called the meeting of the mentor. Uh-huh. And you see it 
all the time. This is all the time in the films. Like you think about the the Matrix. Yeah. Okay. You've got Neo, and Orpheus comes along and helps him, you know, see the world as it really is. Or you mm. said Gandalf. Of yeah. course, suddenly the the hobbits can see the world in a whole other way because this mentor comes along. And likewise in Star Wars, where would Luke be if Obi Wan hadn't come along and opened his eyes up and said, "This is how the world actually is." Yeah. Yeah. And I I think when you're talking about relating it to our real life, well, the, the most blessed of all of us are those who can point at situations and go, wow, yeah, I think someone's done that for me. That's real life for me too. Okay. And you see this particularly coming through in the in the Star Wars movies. I mean, as you said, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and there's also, uh, who's, who's, who's the, the little short guy who always talks backwards? Yoda. Yoda, of course. That's right. The, the, yeah. the wisest man with the with the challenge grammar. <laughs> that's that's right. right. Yes, right. Good advice Yoda always gives. Yes. So <laughs> I, 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 obviously I have seen a, a little of it, but yeah, <laughs> no, not not enough not enough to be a, a total fan. Now the the Han yeah. Solo movie came out in twenty eighteen uh, this year. And I have to say, and you, you sort of based your article around it, but I have to say, as I looked at some of the online reviews, I could see it was pretty much universally given the, a, a big raspberry, you know. I don't know, is, is, is Han Solo the, the worst disaster to happen to Star Wars since Jar Jar Binks? What, what do you say? Oh, wow. I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Now, I think actually just from a movie point of view that many film critics, and you've got to remember... Film critics are just you and me, but they just managed, you know, to get paid for an article one day. <laughs> sure, <laughs> Sometimes okay. they don't even get that. Yep. So, so the, you know, your opinion can be just as strong and just as well argued as theirs. But I'll, I'll give you this. Most film critics looked at a solo, you know, the Star Wars story, and missed what was going on. We're actually going through a watershed moment in terms of film storytelling over the last three or four years. Mm. We've shifted away from one-off films to now it's almost standard to be seeing much larger multi-film arcs. Yes. So if you look at Solo just as a film, you go, oh, I don't know, we didn't find out much about his past really and, and, we're not, and it finishes in such an uncertain way. Well, what does he do next? And, and you, know, you can feel like it's, it's just a film that begins strangely and ends strangely. Mm, it's, it's, uh, but it's, but you what you're saying it, is that it's an episode. It's, it's an episode. It's exactly. not intended to be a standalone. A chapter, yeah, if you see it as a chapter in a larger book, then it's actually quite a satisfying chapter. Mm-hmm. If, but if you're, if you're wanting to have everything wrapped up for you in two hours, mm. well, not only are you not going to be satisfied, but you're probably not going to be satisfied for years and years to come mm-hmm. because this is just not where the film universe is going. Have a look at the Marvel context now, you yeah. know, where we're not simply having one storyline going over multiple films, but multiple storylines over multiple films tying in together. Or, or the DC universe is exactly the same thing. And even now with the Harry Potter franchise, now that we've got Fantastic Beasts, you'll notice actually, for those of you who've had a chance to, to nip off and see the latest mm. Harry Potter, you'll, you'll notice that it's now being branded not as a Harry Potter franchise, but as the Wizarding World. So we're now going to investigate that whole uh-huh. history right. rather than just one story. So yeah, I feel people gave Solo a bit of a beat up 
mainly because they're maybe missing what's actually happening in the larger scale. But if you're happy to sit down and see another two uh, hours investigation of, <laughs> of your favourite universe, then you'll be happy enough. Okay, so is, is that a nice way of admitting, Mark, that that the the solo movie does not stand alone as, as a watchable film? Like you, you Absolutely ha- you, you, it is. Absolutely it is. And yet, strangely... It's, it's a very familiar territory for us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in one respect, the young Han Solo is just another young Luke Skywalker. I mean, if you remember how Luke Skywalker kicks off in the Star Wars films, if, you, if you've um, blocked that out because of your Star Trek leanings, that's okay. <laughs> your listeners might, though. Yep. But he starts off quite idealistic. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, well, we've got to go save the princess and, and, and I'm here to rescue you and, and this is what we're going to do. I can fly that ship if I want to. And the person who's most cynical, the villain, or not, no, it's kind of like the, the caustic smuggler, is Solo, whose favorite phrase seems to be, it's not my fault, or mm. additionally, I've got a bad feeling about this. Yes. But if you yes. look at the Solo film, when he kicks off, you know what his, his catchphrase is? I've got a good feeling about this. Right. And this is going to go, this is going to be perfect. You know, I'm going to rescue you. And we're, we're back at the beginning of the, of the arc all over again. Right. We're, we're seeing another Luke Skywalker character mature through trials. And guess what? He's got a mentor too. You know, there's that, there's that fellow who comes alongside of him. If you, see, if you get a chance to see the solo film, look out mm-hmm. for this character called Beckett, yep. who's, who turns up at the side of, of Han Solo, gives him a vision of the sort of guy he might be, it impresses him with his flashy ways and his, his fighting styles and such, but also warns him, if you follow my path, you know, there's no real turning back. Once yep. you choose this life, you've chosen it forever. And that's, that's kind of interesting. Not a great mentor. Right. One. But, but a mentor nonetheless. No, that's, that's really interesting. And, and it's interesting in your article that you, you do turn your attention to this uh, idea of, of a mentor. I mean, you point out, you know, people like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi or, or like Yoda, you know, who lead, both of whom lead Luke Skywalker in a positive direction. But then you have, you know, this character who you say, well, this new film reveals that, hey, when you go back into Han Solo's history, you have this guy who's actually led him in quite a, a, a bad direction. And then, of course, there's the obvious, you know, Darth Vader saying, you know, come, Luke, join the dark side. <laughs> uh, you, you know, all, all, all that sort of stuff, um, inviting, saying, I'm happy to be your mentor, you know, and you, you'll have so much power. You'll Should we tell everyone that, well, that Darth mean, Vader is, is his dad or is that a spoiler or is it too late for that now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I suspect that's in popular culture now. You'll right. be okay. Okay, yep. You know, kids who haven't even seen the film know for some reason that Darth Vader happens to be Luke Skywalker's dad. <laughs> but, I mean, you're right, because there are good mentors and bad mentors. And in the Star Wars universe, Anakin has a good mentor to begin with. He yeah. has Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then Anakin gets a bad mentor, the Emperor Palpatine, who turns out to be Darth Sidious, and, and he leads him down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. So I guess if there's something that Star Wars can definitely teach kids straight off the bat is you've really got to be careful who you give your respect and your, you know, your wisdom, to, you, know, you get your wisdom from. Mm. Now, it's, it's very important because we can see story arc after story arc going right or wrong. In fact, you know, to drag us back to the Bible for a moment, yeah, yeah. if you don't mind me going there. I, I was going to go there um, next. <laughs> there you go. Well, the, I mean, we see the influence of good and bad mentors 
all the way through the Bible too, which tells me that we're not just looking at a at just a fantasy element that turns up in Star Wars, mm. but this is, like I said, one of those life truths that shines out. Mm. You know, there's this wonderful line in Proverbs, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh-huh. And that's just one of those life lessons that stands true. Bible, you know, told us a couple of thousand years ago, and we're learning it through Star Wars. We're still learning it today in our own lives. Yeah, well, okay. So uh, as we look at, at biblical history, you know, as you've suggested, can you give us some specific examples of people who were led down, you know, either a good path or, or a bad path, depending on if they had a, a, oh, yeah. a good or, or a bad mentor? Back- Some of my favorite Bible stories actually have to do with good and bad mentors. Uh Um, So, you know, for example, Elijah and Elisha, you know, like the dynamic duo of the Old Testament. Mm. Elisha has an amazing mentor in Elijah, and he gets to walk beside him for the better part of 20 years in Old Testament history, Mm. learning what it's like to be a prophet. And then Elisha goes on to be a man just like Elijah. Mm. In fact, that's his last wish when Elijah gets taken up into heaven. Elisha says to Elijah, you know, in response to the question, can I do anything for you? He says, yeah, I want to be twice as much like you. Yes. Now, I want to inherit a double, the, the Hebrew says, a, a double portion of your spirit. But yes. I mean, it's, that's the best thing you could possibly say about someone who's guided your life. Mm. I'd like to be twice as much like you as you. Yep. But then in the same time zone, in the same period of history, you've got a king called Ahab mm. who's mentored in evil, if you like, by his wife, Jezebel. And because of Ahab and Jezebel's behavior, the entire northern kingdom of Israel is doomed. Mm. Uh, God says, this, your, your whole house is going to be cast down. This, this is going to do nothing but rain judgment on you. So on the one hand, you've got someone setting another young man's feet on the right path for, for eternal good. And on the other hand, you've got you know, a, a, a particular woman, wouldn't matter if she was a woman or a man, but particularly mm. setting someone else's feet on, you know, on a path to destruction. And it follows through into the New Testament too. Who hasn't heard of the great relationship between Paul and Timothy? You know, there's yeah. the Apostle Paul taking young Timothy under his arm and leading him out both on missionary journeys until as you read through Ephesians, you realize Timothy's the pastor of a church now and Paul is still writing to him and saying, this is how, you know, what to think of and keep your mind focused on the Bible. I mean, and there are less obvious characters like Barnabas, um, mm. who's a companion of Paul, who has this real special eye for this young guy called Mark. Maybe it's just because, you know, I share the same name, (laughs) but I have a lot of sympathy for that relationship because Mm. Barnabas has a bit of an argument with Paul and it actually leads to them sort of breaking up the band for a while and going off on different missionary journeys because Paul doesn't want Mark around because Mark didn't, you know, stay strong with them through the first missionary journey. Mm. And he's saying, look, we can't trust him. I'd rather not have him. But Barnabas is the sort of guy who goes, you know, I can do something with this guy. Mm. And, and Mark places himself under Barnabas' leadership. And what, is it, what happens? You know, Barnabas raises a gospel writer. Mm. Mark goes on last write down Peter's story and we're all benefiting from that today. Yeah, and and, and uh, I know, think la- yeah, and I think later on in the um in the story the apostle Paul actually mentions Mark quite quite happily as someone who's sort of a, a part of his crew. So it seems the the band got back together yes. at some point. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed, there's this great reconciliation. Hey, are we talking about the hero's journey again? Yes, we've come full circle and people have learnt you know, they've come back to normal life, and yet at the same time, they're changed forever. And I think that the beauty about the, the Bible is that it actually hints 
at us both in a in a spiritual way how God can take us on and and lead us on into changing us forever and yet still continuing in normal life but how also at a very human level in the Christian walk he can place people around us mm. who are able to, to help us in that journey and who will change us forever and yet somehow lead us back into normal life as well. Yeah, well, it, it really strikes me, Mark, that, you know, in, in the past perhaps, and, and maybe this is a, you know, a, a glorious um, rose-tinted, you know, idea of what history might have been like, but it seems there was a time when most people would follow in the, say, m- most boys, for example, would follow in the trade of their dad, you know, and they would learn that by basically working with their dad. He would mentor them and they would follow the the family you know trade and so this is why we have surnames like butcher and baker and you know and, and that sort of thing but then we have a situation now where the options are so wide open that your dad might not necessarily be able to identify with with what you're doing I mean my son's doing motor mechanics for example I'm very little help <laughs> in in that area I, I, I can tell you and and the other thing is that we do have very sadly an increasingly high rate of family breakdown so I think we have a situation now where perhaps there are a lot of kids growing up who are really struggling to find a, a good mentor. You know, dad might not be in the picture or parents might not be able to really relate to even, you know, the way life is these days for, for a lot of young people. Well, what would you say to young people who are looking for those mentor figures, who are looking for, for that encouragement? Because there are a lot of people out there who sort of hold themselves up as heroes. You know, lots of people who have very shiny social media profiles who you'd think you'd like to follow, but surely there's, there's more to it than that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Look, I don't think that's rose-tinted glasses. I think it is one of the, the sadnesses uh, of our present age that we're actually seeing a fracturing of the sorts of relationships that are supposed to be, you know, building us up and preparing us for life. Yeah. And yeah, we're no longer being mentored in many respects by our parents, but that doesn't mean that God can't raise people up for you or me mm. or other people. I'm actually, um, you, didn't, you, you don't know this, but uh, this is actually a very special day of the year for me. Mm-hmm. This is actually the birth birthday of my mentor, a fellow called Clifford, who uh, oh, taught wow. me all about script writing about 30 years ago. Oh, there you go. And um, it's an incredible day. And so I like to celebrate, even though Clifford's been dead for about 10 years now, the influence he's had on my life just goes on and on and on. So when you say, how can you recognize a good mentor? Well, sometimes it's by their fruits that okay. you know them. You can look around and you can see the effect that they've had on other people's lives. And you go, you know, that's someone worth following. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sometimes it's just by the, the personal character themselves. I have a big belief that there is no such thing as the private life because the public and the private spheres really are the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what you are in private you are in public. You might hide it a bit better, but the truth is it usually comes out one way or another. And, and the shock shouldn't really hit us when we do discover that some of these shiny social celebrities actually have really quite messed up private lives, but it eventually it does come out. Mm. So, you know, that's another thing. Look at their actual life, their day-to-day with the people they have to live with and talk with and be with and see what they're like. But, you know, I would actually say that the two biggest characteristics that I I bear in mind when I look at people, and I think, you know, for my own sons, who would make good mentors for my sons? Mm. How can I put them in touch with people who who understand auto mechanics a bit better than me, you know? (laughs) So who, who can actually speak into their life? The first thing I look for is someone who's humble. 
Yeah. It's someone who actually recognizes that they are on a journey too and they have a lot to learn and they're not seeking to tell everyone, be like me. They're saying, this is something I've learned and maybe that'll help you too. Mm. So that, that's the first thing, humble. You know, that, that makes a huge difference. And that's not something that's very much valued in this world today. You know, to be self-effacing as opposed to be self-promoting, you know, it's, it's an unusual thing. But start there. You know, if you're looking, look around, who's the most humble person you know? That's probably a good person to start looking at. And then the second thing is um, someone whose humility has led them to realize that they just don't know it all. And so they've gone and found the ultimate source of wisdom. Mm. So personally, I'm a believer in Christ. I know you are, and I know many of your listeners are, but I think it's very important to understand where truth comes from. And truth doesn't come from us. We're just not that smart. It actually comes from outside of us. And the biggest hint I can give you is to go and introduce yourself to the Bible and learn about Jesus, and you'll see where the source of wisdom and truth comes from. So if I've got a person I'm looking for, for a mentor for my sons, or I'm thinking about my own life, who have had the biggest influences, the biggest mentors, without a doubt, they are people who don't just say, I'm a Christian, but they've lived a Christ-like life. They've tried to be servants. They've tried to be witnesses. They've, They've committed themselves each day after they've made the mistake to pick themselves back up and keep following God. Mm. And, and that, to me, makes a big difference. So Clifford, for example, my mentor, was a brilliant scriptwriter, probably the, one of the best scriptwriters Australia's ever produced. Yeah. But he was a wonderful man you yeah. know, who, who loved his wife and loved his three boys and would take any opportunity he had from a taxi ride, you know, through to a dinner at a boardroom level to just chat that little bit more about Jesus or to share that little bit more about what he'd discovered in God this day. I could not get into the car with him without him actually saying, you know, I was reading this this morning in my Bible. Let me tell you about that. No, that's fantastic and, and very thought-provoking. Yeah, thanks so much for, for those insights. I really appreciate that, Mark. And thanks also, you know, for the fun with uh, discussing the movies. It's uh, been great having <laughs> you with us on Signs of the Times Radio. Always happy to, Ken. I look forward to the next time. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.